The following program is sponsored by Friends of Life Outreach International. I had no control as a child over my dad's anger and over his suicide. And I remember as a child thinking, how is it possible to have a loving father who suddenly seems to hate you? And so I spent the next 30 years of my life trying to control the love of God. From her personal experiences, Sheila Walsh helps us learn how to let go of what we can't control, next on Life Today. Hi, my name is Sheila Walsh. Welcome to Life Today. I was thinking about something today and I wondered how it hits you, where you're at right now in your life. Do you ever feel as if life is kind of out of control? You know, it could be something as simple as your budget and your family. You know, you, you've set yourself a budget and you get to the end of the month and somehow it's just kind of out of control. Or maybe it's with your, with your kids. You know, maybe they're just not doing their homework when they're supposed to and not going to bed when they're supposed to. And, and you get to the end of the day and you're just exhausted. But sometimes, sometimes it's a lot more than that. What do you do when you're really praying about something and you're asking God to move in a particular situation and it just feels as if life is completely out of control? You don't know whether God is just not listening to you or maybe that God is angry with you or maybe that God is disappointed in you. It's hard when you, when you feel as if there's a situation going on and there's very little that you can do about it. I've learned so much in the last few years about control. And I think probably it really started in some ways when Barry and I had our son there's nothing that makes you feel more out of control than when you have a child. You know, they're so tiny at first and so helpless. And then as they begin to grow and make their own decisions and choices and you want to protect them. But I found myself before we came on the air today, just praying for you. You know, I, I know that I don't know where you are, um, whether you're watching on television somewhere, whether you're watching in Australia or South Africa or here in the States whether you're just catching up maybe late at night on your computer and you're streaming this. But I just wanted you to know, if you feel as if life is out of control, if you feel as if that God is not listening, I want to remind you. In fact, I read a, a wonderful saying from Corrie Ten Boom. You'll remember who she was, beautiful Dutch lady, had to spend some time in the Nazi prison camps. But she said, never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. Don't be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. So that's what I want us to look at today. What do you do when you feel as if things are just not falling into place, when it feels as if things are very out of control? Well, some time ago, we had some friends come in to the studio and hang with us for a couple of days. And I had an opportunity to share with them and my message to them was, how do you let go when you feel as if life is out of control? How do you relinquish that desire that we all have to kind of keep our hands on everything and simply say, you know what, God, I believe you're good. I believe you're sovereign. 
And so when I cannot control something, when it's out with my control, I'm not going to panic because I believe that no matter how things seem to be, I believe that you are in control. Would you watch this? we, in Jesus, let go of what we can't control? The very first psalm quotes from Charles Spurgeon is this. This is profound. You don't say something like this easily. I have learned to kiss the waves that throw me up against the rock of ages. I have learned to kiss the waves that throw me up against the rock of ages. You know, I've spent a lot of time studying his life and he struggled with severe depression all of his life. He wrote at one point, if what I am feeling right now was shared amongst everyone, I don't think they could bear it. Times when he felt the darkness was so heavy that he couldn't break through and yet he, he wrote, but I've learned to kiss the waves that throw me up against the rock of ages. You know, I, I don't think I had any idea of how out of control we can feel at times until I became a mum. I had no idea that children came out with their own opinions <laughs> and their own little timetables. And, and you know, I try to read all those books you're supposed to read before your children are born and what they're supposed to do at a certain time. And Christian had no interest in any of that. He didn't walk until he was 14 months old. And some of my friends were saying, you know, this is something wrong. You need to take him to a doctor. And I said, I don't think so. I mean, he can crawl at the speed of a BMW. I think he's quite happy. <laughs> and then one day, and actually it was on a platform. It was so funny. It was at Women of Faith, I think here in Dallas, in an arena, you know, like 18,000 women. And Barry used to um, kind of carry Christian up on the platform. And I would, you know, hold him and he would wave to the camera. Well, this time Barry actually put him down on the stage and Christian crawled and he was almost at me. And then he just kind of looked and he looked around and he just stood up and walked toward me. And I thought, that's amazing, but I hope he doesn't need an audience for everything. <laughs> Otherwise we could be in trouble here. <laughs> But you know, there's so many things that like, I remember the, because I was older, when I had Christian, I was 40 when I got pregnant and I was so tired. And he was one of those babies that cried for a lot. You know, he cried for the first few months and we tried everything. We sat his little chair on top of the dryer. We ran taps, we ran the vacuum cleaner until there was no pile left on the carpet. I mean, we did everything that friends said, this worked for my child. Um, and one night Barry said, listen, you're so tired, Sheila. So tonight I want you to sleep all through the night and I'll get up and I'll feed Christian. And I was like, oh, thank you so much. So I heard Christian cry. And I heard Barry get up and I thought, oh, this is awesome. And I lay there for a couple of minutes and I thought, I think I'll just check on them. <laughs> so I went through and there are Barry and Christian. Barry's sitting on the sofa and Christian's on his lap. They're both fast asleep and the bottle is in Christian's ear. <laughs> I'm thinking, no, I don't think that's gonna work. But, um, but control, it's, it's not necessarily a negative or a positive thing. It really depends on what it's like attached to. I mean, if you're walking a busy street and you, you've got your child with you, then you need to know, you know, that you're in control. And, 
if you struggle with any kind of addiction, whether it's food or alcohol, or some of you written to me recently and told me that you're struggling with drugs. And one of you wrote to me and said, do you think God can still love me? Yes, absolutely. Romans 8, 38 and 30, 39 tells us there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. He came to us in our brokenness so that we could be healed. In fact, it says in um, Proverbs 25, 28, encouraging us to be responsible and to have control. It says, a person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. A person without self-control is like a, a city with broken down walls. In Galatians 5, um, 22 and 23, Paul writes this, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. But there's, there's lots of situations in life where the word control has more negative connotations. Like, have you ever heard the word, you know, she's a control freak? Um, you might want, you know, maybe you work with someone and you feel like they're very controlling. That is not a good thing. Some people, when life feels out of control, sometimes we turn to things to try and get some control back. If something negative has happened in childhood, you know, I, I discovered from working with a friend of mine who's a psychologist that so many eating disorders have their root in people feeling out of control. I remember I was on a flight, I was flying to Hong Kong and a lady came on the flight and she was, she was quite, quite large and the gentleman beside me just whispered to me, I was the only one supposed to hear, but a very unkind comment about her. And I turned to him and looked at him. And I said, sir, we know nothing about her life. We don't know what might have gone on. Maybe she's trying to build a wall around herself to protect herself. And sometimes it goes the other way. Um, I have a friend whose daughter's struggling with anorexia at the moment. And part of that is that her life has felt very out of control since she was a child. And it's almost like this is the one area where she gets to say no. For me, it was a little, a little darker than that. I had no control as a child over my dad's anger and over his suicide. And I remember as a child thinking, how is it possible to have a loving father who suddenly seems to hate you? And so I spent the next 30 years of my life trying to control the love of God. You know, when I gave my life to Christ, I remember my mom saying to me, Sheila, not only is Christ your savior and you get to make him your Lord, you have a heavenly father watching over you. And that would be good news to most of us, unless you've had a challenging relationship with your earthly father. And so for me, I remember thinking that night, even though I was only 11 years old, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be the perfect Christian because if your earthly dad could stop loving you. Maybe your heavenly father could too. And at some point, God in his mercy lets our life fall apart. You know, sometimes 
we forget that Jesus said, I've come to give you life, not survival, not just getting through one more day. I have come to give you life. And sometimes God's greatest mercy is letting our lives fall apart. For me, that was when I was 34 and I ended up in a psych ward and hitting the floor was one of the greatest things that God ever did. Even though I was terrified, even though I felt, could God still love me? It's an interesting thing. If you've ever had anyone in your family who've struggled with any kind of mental illness or ever had to be hospitalized like that, for the first 72 hours, no one can visit you and you can't leave. It's called a 72 hour hold. I was there for a month, but there you go. 72 hour hold. But you know what I discovered? They might not have let anyone in my family or my friends check in to see me that first night, but I want you to know the Lamb of God came with me. And I discovered, you know, we're so used to worshiping God's majesty as we shoot. He is almighty. He is majestic. He is, he's God all by himself. But I discovered the truth of Psalm 34. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. You know, like Elijah, I remember that very first night in the hospital praying a prayer that God did not answer. Have you ever been grateful that God didn't answer a prayer that you prayed? Yeah. I, I remember that first night saying, God, if you have one ounce of mercy in your heart left for me, please take me home because I can't do that. But like Elijah, in that cleft of the rock, I heard that gentle whisper saying, I'm with you. I always have been, I always will be. You can rest for a while. You can let go. Might sound easy for me to say, maybe you're thinking, well, you know what? You don't really know my situation. You don't know what I'm walking through. And that's true, but I do know this. I know that God is good and I know that God loves you. One of my favorite Psalms, when, when I'm not sure what to do, when things feel out of control, I love to turn to Psalm 91. It's probably a favorite of yours too, but I'm just gonna read um, the first four verses and I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God and I trust in him. For he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. He will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. Such a beautiful picture of who our father is. I remember a story my mom told me when of a fire that happened in a farm near where we lived in Scotland. My mom was a farm accountant. And so, you know, when she heard of the fire, she had to get involved. And she said that there were several of them walking through the grounds and everything was pretty well gone. You know, the farmhouse had burned down, you know, the sheds had burned down. And she saw there was a chicken um, laying on the ground, just badly scorched. I mean, the chicken had obviously lost its life, a mother hen. 
And the farmer just kind of casually moved the mother hen with his, with his boot and realized that underneath there were the six little chickens still alive. It literally, the mother had literally put her body over her little ones to protect them from the fire. That's who our God is. You know, when you and I deserve judgment, when you and I deserve to be punished, when you and I could have been dismissed by God because we don't have enough faith, his very son laid his life over us so that we would be saved. And perhaps even as you're listening to the program today, you think, well, you know what? I'm not really sure I know this Jesus, not the way you talk about him. You know, maybe you think, well, I mean, I go to church every now and again, but wouldn't it be sad to know the building and not know the builder? Because when we sit here and we talk to you about um, Christ, we're not talking about religion. The last thing we need right now in America is just one more debate on religion. Jesus is not interested in religion. He's interested in relationship. That's what God wants for each one of us. And when you're in relationship with him, then it's easier to trust him and to understand that he is in control. When I wrote my book, It's Okay Not To Be Okay, that came from a real understanding in my own life that I'll never get it all right. You know, I'll never be everything I wish I could be, but I don't have to pursue perfection. Instead, I get to pursue Christ who is perfect. And maybe, I don't know where you're watching this program, but maybe you're thinking, well, I don't know about this, Jesus. Do you know, all you have to do is, the Bible says, those who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And if you're tempted to think, well, it might be too late for me, it's not. If you have a pulse, if there's not a white chalk mark around your body, it is not too late. And you just have to simply say, Jesus, you know, I know I'm a sinner and I want to be saved. I believe you are the son of God. I believe that you died and I believe you rose again. So I want to give you control of my life. I want to throw myself all in. I want to be all in until it's all over. And when you pray that kind of prayer, you'll discover you don't have to fear the future because you know who your father is and that he is with you in the future. One of the great joys that we get here um, at Life Today is being able to reach out to those who wonder if they have a future and make a difference. Watch this. In the unforgiving terrain of Angola, Africa, with its scarce water for crops, an overwhelming number of mothers struggle to save their children from starvation and illness. Too many lose that fight. Catalina is one of those mothers. Usually it's barely enough, and sometimes they go without. In the daily desperate fight to feed her children and keep them healthy, Catalina is given no respite and no reward. Catalina 
Juliet was the second child Catalina has lost. The heartache is familiar and overwhelming, intensifying her fear for her remaining children. There wasn't anything we could do for the two children Catalina already lost. But her remaining children and the multitude of other mothers, with your response, we can help ensure their story is different. You know, I've walked by that very graveyard in Angola, looking at all these tiny graves and the way the parents try to honor their children, leaving just a little something that was a token of their life, whether it's just a little toy. Some had left even just like a water bottle, something as if to say, my child was alive. This is uh, heartbreaking, absolutely heartbreaking. In fact, when we were there, um, we had to step aside out of respect as another truck arrived with another family ready to bury another little one. But the amazing thing is we can change this. You know, mission feeding has been huge to life today. In fact, I don't know if you realize this, this is our 30th anniversary of feeding children in Africa. And one of the, the people that really have, that are our heroes, um, Peter Pretorius, an amazing man. He was with me on my last trip to Angola and I sat with Peter. He has a new book out called Death Defying Faith, which I'm going to tell you in a couple of minutes how you can get hold of that. But I watched this man who has walked those roads year after year feeding children. I watched him weep with a mother. You know, I watched him pray over children. And now Peter is safely home with Jesus, but he's left us with a mission to, to do. And if you and I determine that we're not going to let that beautiful mother lose one more child. Here's what, what we could do. $30 feeds three children, not for a week, for three months. Can you imagine that? $30, three children for three months. $50 will feed five children, 100 feeds 10. And if some of you are able to give $1,000, that would feed 100 children. That's like a whole village for three months. You know, sometimes we spend money and don't pay much attention. But I saw so many of those mothers, and they're, they're faith-filled mothers. So many of them who get down on their knees at night and ask God, please help me feed my children. And you and I have the awesome privilege of being an answer to their prayer. Will you join with us today? In Peter's memory, will you say, I'm going to stop this? So you can go just dial the number on your screen, go online, just give the best gift you possibly can so that the next time I'm in Angola, I can bring back stories of the children's lives who are changed. Mission feeding from the first bowl of food that a child gets, it literally begins to reverse the cycle from death to life. We can do this. Some of you can give a lot and that's wonderful, but don't think, well, I only have $30. $30, three children, three months. 
Let's do this together. Please dial that number on your screen, go online and make the very best gift possible. In impoverished and drought-stricken areas of Africa, children are suffering. The need is great. And without food, they face severe malnutrition, even death. Through Life's Mission Feeding Outreach, you can save lives by feeding and caring for children currently suffering in parts of Angola, Mozambique, and South Sudan. With previous reserves gone and Mission Feeding helping in areas with severe crop failure, we urgently need your support to replenish food supplies to reach the 400,000 children who are counting on us. Your life-saving gift of $30, $50, or $100 will help feed and care for three, five, or 10 children for three full months. With your gift of any amount, we'll send you Death-Defying Faith, The Extraordinary Life of Miracle Man Peter Pretorius. This autobiography, completed just days before his unexpected death, chronicles the thrill-seeking adventures of missionary Peter Pretorius. You will love reading how God took this ordinary man and performed extraordinary miracles throughout all of Africa. With your gift of $100 or more, request the beautiful Faith and Hope pen set, two beautifully crafted pens featuring the key words of Hebrews 11.1, 1, a key verse for every believer, especially when facing adversity, trials, and challenges. Finally, with your gift of $1,000 or more to help feed and care for 100 children, be sure to request the Bridge of Faith framed canvas print by Thomas Kincaid. Please call, write, or make your gift online today. This is a grave. It's an empty grave that has no real significance until you put someone in it. Unfortunately, they're putting far too many children into these graves. Malnutrition is robbing children of their future and robbing families of their joy. They've already dug these graves because they are expecting death. But I have a prayer. I'm expecting life. So I, I ask all of you, will you fill a bowl so they don't fill a grave? I hope everyone watching will do the best that they can, give the best you can, because they don't have to be waiting on children to die. We can make that difference. If you'll just go to the phone right now, go online, give the best gift you can, and know that when you fill that bowl, you give a child hope and life. Thank you so much. And if the lines are busy, please keep calling. This is Peter's amazing book, Death Defying Faith. For any gift at all, we will be honored to send that to you. And also, I would love to send you my book. It's called It's Okay Not to Be Okay, Moving Forward One Day at a Time. Don't you think it's amazing? that you and I get to do this. It's not something that God's forcing us to do. We have the unique privilege of being on the earth at this time to make a difference in Jesus' name. And always remember too, we're here if you need us. You can call, we have an amazing prayer team who would love to pray for you. So thanks so much for being with us. I'm Sheila Walsh and I'll see you next time on Life Today.
Tomorrow on Life Today, best-selling authors Lisa Turkhurst and Sheila Walsh discuss God's faithfulness even in the most painful of times. Life Today is made possible by the supporters of Life Outreach International. Your gift will be used exclusively for the exempt purposes of life. The ministry features specific outreaches as examples of the programs it supports and conducts. Gifts are considered to be without restriction as to use unless explicitly stipulated by the donor. The ministry is a member of the ECFA.